Hey everyone, this is Nathan Hayes with the uh, Focal Point podcast. As just a reminder, I'm Ilax Practice Finance Consultant, and uh, today I want to take some time to talk about partnerships and before you pick up the phone and call me or start calling your attorney and talking about it, or even discussing it with an associate or potential partner. Um, so four questions. Why would you be in a partnership? Um, is the practice ready for a partner? Is the other doctor in question ready to be a partner? And are you ready to have a partner? And uh, we'll start off with, with why would you take on a partner? I think it's worth always, when you're making an equity transition or transaction, um, know why you're doing what you're doing. Partnerships can be wonderful for your business to have a collaborator in the business, to have a co-investor in the business, to have <clears throat> a transition plan to, to reward and invite a, a key optometrist to play a, a great role and a continued role in the future of the business. Um, but it is very much a business marriage too. And uh, when partnerships go wrong, it is way easier to divorce your actual marriage to a spouse than it is to divorce your business partner. So be aware of that. But why, why would you do it? Uh, I think there's really two reasons that people would take on partners. Um, and if you're already in a partnership, one of the questions that when a partner's retiring is, do you want to just buy that partner out? Or do you want that partner to sell their shares to someone else? And in many cases, in multi-partner groups, I'll advise you to shrink the partner pool down to two or three. Uh, it's just, it's an easier business to run with fewer partners. But I think, I think there's two big reasons. One would be if you have a high-performing optometrist that you just you want to keep in the business, um, offering equity is a way to, to have them engage at a higher level. Um, the chance to buy in, to be an owner, to participate in the profits of the business, and to share in those, those fruits. Because an associate's going to get paid, um, let's say between on the low end, maybe 13% of their production and on the high end, 20% of their production. But in a healthy business, an owner's going to make you know, 5, 10, 15% of their associates' production is going to be profits to the owner in many ways. Um, so there's, um, you know, let the associate buy in, let a doctor buy in and participate in that profitability. The, the other thing may be if you're in a more rural setting, a, a less desirable location, you may need to offer equity just to attract someone to your practice. Um, but one reason is just you have a high perform. We'll talk about an associate's readiness and what that looks like in, in a little bit. But the second reason you might do it is as part of your transition plan, your exit strategy from the practice. And there are lots of practices where owner talks to the associate and the associate says, yeah, I'm, I, I want to own, I'll, I'll buy you out when you're ready to retire. And you wait another 10 years. And when you're ready to retire, you go to the associate and say, I'm ready. And they see the price tag and think about how hard you work. And they say, you know what? I changed my mind. And now you're back at square one trying to find a buyer for your practice. So one of the benefits of offering equity is you, you means test the associate on the front end to say, are you serious? Because we all know the best customer is one that's already bought from you. So if your associate cuts a check to buy into the practice or takes out a loan or pays, pays to buy in, you, you have some degree of reliability that they're going to buy you out when you're ready to retire. Maybe they'll invite you to sell to somebody else. but but you, you know they're serious, and at least you've taken some of your chips off the table. Conversely, if, you're, if you offer equity and your associate says no, my advice would be to start thinking about other exits, unless you really know that there was 
you know, my house just burned down. I just can't take on this risk right now or something. Um, I would seriously start looking at more serious buyers at that point. Bear, bear in mind too, owners, that if you're talking to your associate about buying it, one of the risks they bear is that you may say, I'll sell to you when I retire and I'm on a five-year plan. Now, if you wait 15, they're just hanging around waiting for their chance to own. Um, you know, you may need to offer them equity sooner just to, to keep them around because the clock is ticking for that associate to own a practice. And if you're not going to sell in, a, in a, the time frame they want, they may just decide to move on. And that's fine too. So let's just say that you are thinking about your transition plan. You have an associate you want to keep in or you, you want someone to buy in. What's the next question we're going to ask? And, and the next thing I want to think about is, is the practice ready or able to have two, two owners or multiple owners? Here's how I typically describe this. One, one simple level for success for a practice owner is, are you making more than you would working for someone else the same number of patient care hours? And typical wages for an employed OD top out at 150000 a year, maybe one hundred eighty for full-time. Uh, and the average owner makes, according to review of optometry, $225,000 a year, give or take. So if we're going to have two owners, is there enough profit in the practice? Is there enough revenue and profit to pay two owners as if they were owners? And bear in mind that your associate's going to have a note on their buy-in price. So probably need to be looking at, you know, at least $450,000, $600,000 of profits in the business before the practice is really ready to have two owners. Because the associate's math, sure, we might get their salary up to $225,000 a year, but now they have $75,000, $80,000 a year in debt service. Um, you know, that gets tight pretty quick. And now they're back in their normal associate ways, wages. At the very least, you need to be able to predictably and reliably show them that they're going to make more net of paying the note <clears throat> than they would just staying as an employee in the practice and and just revenue wise you're looking at 1.3 1.4 1.5 million before you're really ready to have two owners at a minimum and and given that most comp structures for partners can involve an element of production an element of management perhaps um, and an element of profit sharing if there's a production element you don't want to be in trying to get two partners fighting over patients to to get enough income out of the business to provide for their families and justify the risk and headaches that come with owning the practice. So make sure your practice is big enough from both a patient volume standpoint and from a, um, a profitability standpoint. And, and just a note on, on buy-ins for this, never, never, never just put a price tag in front of a, a buyer without showing them the profitability and more specifically showing them their expected income from the business. I had a, a very large, very successful practice come to me recently. And uh, they had, you know, the associate, they had dueling proposals for buy-in. And effectively what happened, the, the owner had dropped a you know, $800,000 million price tag in front of the associate. And the associate understandably said, look, I've got student loan debt still. I've got two kids and a mortgage. I can't just $800,000 a year for, for, for the buy-in, a million. That's 100 to $120,000 a year in debt service, 8,000 to 10,000 a month in debt service on the note. I can't afford that. But what the owner hadn't told him was as an owner, he'd be making instead of $125,000 a year, $350,000 a year or more. So, you know, at that point, 350 minus 120, that's $270,000 a year. I'm sorry, $230,000 a year. 
it would have been a substantial raise even with the big price tag. So always discuss the income uh, from the practice when discussing prices and go ahead and get a, a, a payment calculator online and just plug in 10 years, maybe five and a half percent, maybe four and a half percent fully finance. Uh, that's what the banks will do for your associates. Or if you're going to carry the note, put your terms in and just see what the monthly note is, see what the annual note is and expected income and compare the two. So the question you want to ask is, is, is the associate ready? I'll say this, to some extent, um, if you're transitioning the practice, it may not really matter. You just want to start transitioning. But if you, if you see this as anything longer than a three to five year sort of soft exit or delayed exit, <clears throat> then I think you really have to ask, we're going to be in partnership for a decade or more. Is this person ready to be a co-owner of my business? And my, my father-in-law, many of you have heard the story, but my father-in-law was a an attorney for years, and he was the managing partner of his firm. And so once I, I asked him, Bill, what do you look for when you're making an associate attorney a partner? And he said to me, well, Nathan, I know it when I see it. Well, great, thanks, Bill. That's incredibly helpful. Um, and actually, in retrospect, it, it really was. Um, you can know a lot just based on... Um, looking at someone, do they have it to be an owner? But ask them to elaborate. And so here's some things to think about as you're looking at it. First off, he said, they've got to be able to grow the business. If you can't bring in new business, you're not ready to be an owner. So what does that look like for an associate optometrist? Um, certainly, can they recruit new patients into the business? Are they willing to get out there and promote the practice and, and attract new patients? That's the name of the game for growing a business and long-term health. It might also mean, do they bring a new skill set to the practice, vision therapy or ortho K or something uh, specialty contacts, some, something that's a new revenue stream for the practice. Can they help grow the practice? And are, are they thinking in those terms? That's number one. Number two, are they productive with their time? And, you know, attorneys with billable hours, obviously you need to generate income for the practice, but you also be, have to be effective. You can't, you can't bill out a ton of dollars and be a, a slow worker as an attorney. Um, the clients are going to balk at the fees relative to the work product. And for an associate, that means they need to be relatively they need to be healthily productive. I'll say this, for on a full-time equivalent basis, so as if they were working five days a week, they need to be producing at least $800,000 a year, if not a million, in collected receipts. So revenues after insurance charge-offs. And anything less than that, and just, they haven't figured out the art and science of just being a productive doctor yet. They're not ready to be an owner. And especially if you're asking me to put together your partnership structure, when we start compensating in part on production, they're going to get hammered because it's generally how I would structure partner pay, which is another, another podcast, but it's going to be weighted two thirds to production, give or take. And so they've got to be able to produce as an optometrist if they're going to ready to be an owner. The third thing he said is I'm, I'm also going to just going to ask a question. What risk do they pose to the practice? Their character risk or their personality risk, their management risks that they pose. And so what, what could that look like? Well, I mean, for one, and you kind of can't know this until you're into it, but we've definitely seen multiple cases where partners have uh, redirected product or effectively stolen over $100,000 worth of contacts or frames from their partner. Um, and so that does happen and you need to at least think about it. Um, it's rare, but not unheard of. Other cases, uh, it could be that they're just like really acerbic and they tick off the staff and no one wants to work with them or around them. That's a real risk. And and you, now you're going to put their name on the door in a very official format where they have some authority, even more authority. 
than I have just as an optometrist, that's not necessarily someone I want as an owner in my practice with me. There's a misalignment of, of culture and values. It could be, and, and seeing this as well, that you know, young male has inappropriate interactions or relationships with the female staff, the, the ladies in the practice. Um, that's an issue, and you're, you're opening yourself up to risk. So at least ask the question, what are the risks this associate might pose to the practice, this new doctor might pose to the practice as an owner? And, and the fourth question is, are you ready? Are you ready to transition? Um, a couple of thoughts here. I mean, one, certainly work with an advisor. Count the cost before you do this stuff. Call me. Call another consultant. I mean, I'm part of IDOC, so, so call me. But are you counting the cost of what's the impact on your income of bringing on a partner? Because your income from the business is going to go down because you're sharing the profits. Now, a lot of that will be made up by the buy-in price. But if you're planning to do this and slow down at the same time, for instance, let's, let's make sure you know what it's going to look like and, and that you can stomach the cost. Again, most the trade-off here is you're going to make less money, but you're going to have a lot more assurances of how you're going to get out of the business in many cases, or you're, you're, you're ensuring that you're going to keep a doctor in the practice for the long haul. Um, and so there's, there's trade-offs to that. Obviously, the practice grows over time. Everybody wins. But in the short run, all things held equal, you'll make less money after bringing on a partner. Um, are you, have you thought through sharing control in the business and giving them authority? Have you thought through shared values around, um, culture and how we treat the staff around taking on debt to invest in the business? Um, are you ready? Have you given thought to, uh, what you need to round out your retirement? Do you know what your number is? Uh, also another podcast, but talk to a financial advisor, figure out what you need. Is the practice worth that? Maybe you need to wait. And, and really, if any of these things, if your why isn't there, if, if the practice isn't ready, if the associate isn't ready, if you aren't ready, it's okay just to tell another doctor, you know what, we need to wait, that we're just not, we're not in a place to do this right now. Um, so think about control, think about your income. Um, and, and, you know, as you go into, you obviously work with an attorney to think about what, are the, what does the final exit look like? Do we have a, a formula in place? Do we call for an appraisal? What happens if it doesn't work? What are my outs? How can I force a buyout of my, my new partner? Or how can, they, can I demand they buy me out and I move on? But, but it's not to be entered into lightly. Partnership can be great as a transition strategy. I think it's wonderful if you want to keep your practice held by a private OD. If you want to go ahead and ensure that you have your buyer, it's a great way to say, hey, let's move forward. I want to, I want to start this process and see if someone's really willing to cut a check. Because if they balk the first time, you may want to start looking elsewhere. Um, but make sure you're ready. As always, for IDOC Advisor and Select Members, uh, you can just call me um, and talk this through for your practice. If you're an essential member, I'd love to talk to you. Talk to your account manager. They'll set up some time with me, and we'll talk about you know, some initial thoughts for you, and then does it make sense for you to upgrade or take on some additional services from IDOC to help you investigate this option for your practice. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Focal Point. And, uh, Best wishes for your continued success.